It's November 29th, 2021. This is Rook. He has been one of the most successful Iranian-Canadian club performers, DJs, and promoters in recent years. And he has a big personality and a big presence. DJ Adas has shared the stage with everyone from Ebi to Siavashiko Meshi and bills himself as Canada's first Persian celebrity DJ. He's here in the studio to open up about the business, the community, and his personal struggles. But first, crisis in Esfahan. As Iran's deepening environmental situation gets worse and water becomes more scarce, new protests in Esfahan have led to another crackdown by the regime. Two longtime observers with first-hand experience join us. This is Conversations From, To and About the Iranian Diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode 157 of Rook. Good to be talking to you. Hope you're keeping well wherever you're tuning in from around the world. Hello to you from Toronto, from Canada. Salam, Dustan Aziz, Durud, Hello, Gubi Shaya, how are you? Hi, how are you? Hello, Captain Reza. Hello, sir. And the fabulous Kian. Hi, Shan. Hello, Kian. This situation in uh, Esfahan is uh, troubling. And heartbreaking uh, again. Um, so, I mean, it's kind of been building up for a while, with, uh, years, uh, environmental crisis in, in Iran, and in particular the scarcity of water. Um, and we dealt with that with Khuzestan in the summer, and not that that's over with, but I mean, the, uh, there was a pro- protest that flared up and were, were crushed by, by the government, and, uh, and now we've got this situation where the protests have begun for the last couple of weeks in Esfahan, and um, led to this massive demonstration on Friday. And then there was a crackdown and people were injured and arrested. And, yeah. and these are people who are desperately um, making the case, farmers and regular citizens, that, that they need water, which seems basic enough. So we have two guests coming up um, who have firsthand experience with this, one of whom um, uh, was one of the people who was behind the design uh, and the surveying of where the, the dams in Iran are meant to go and had made recommendations to the Iranian government which were not listened to. Uh, so uh, we're, we're going to get and, and talks about the mismanagement that's led to this uh, this uh, where we're at now today. So we'll get to that in a little bit later in the show. DJ Aras. Now, Keon, do you know who DJ Aras is? Of course. Is? Everyone in the city of Toronto who's Persian knows who DJ Aras is. They have uh, shaken their booty to <laughs> yes, DJ Aras. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember going to a, at the harbor front, this big outdoor uh, kind of party that yeah. he DJed. And he, he's not just a DJ, but a performer. Like he's got yeah. this whole persona. He's got a big afro, yeah, yeah. does this whole. So he's coming into the studio in just a, a little bit. Uh, and uh, we're going to do uh, an interview with him. And he's a very, very actually 
actually thoughtful guy. I mean, people mm-hmm. who know him, I've been researching him, and I know that you know he's he's kind of known as this big personality, but he's actually a very uh, he self describes himself as, as as kind of introverted or quiet in in real life. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's not the Performer. the character, yeah, the performer. So. Um, I wonder if other uh, communities have as many DJs as we do as well. Like, do you think we have a lot of DJs? <laughs> I think we have a lot of DJs. I really do. Like three of my own friends are DJs. <laughs> like you can only imagine. It's it's great. It's but are they but are they any good or are they just no, people no, they who suck. they turn <laughs> on their <laughs> I, they, they, they open their man. Apple uh, playlist <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, and that's press yeah. play? Yeah. That's what that's they the do. That's the thing. Yeah. Like even Paris Hilton at one point she was calling herself a DJ. She yeah. still does. I Is think. she really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the the great Iranian DJ yeah. <laughs> Paris Hilton. My point being, there's just a lot of people proclaiming themselves DJs. Listen, Kian. Listen. Chai, you've never been interested in being a DJ, I guess. Actually, interestingly, uh-huh. I while you were in London, yes. I I rent a DJ set. <laughs> you start, you yeah. did, yeah, yeah. I did moonlighting as a DJ while we were in London. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so it was kind of interesting for me, but it was easier than what I thought, you know. Hmm. Yeah, maybe because I know music. So well, I, one of the things about uh, that I want to ask Aras is. Why he's such a big personality? In other words, do you have to be? Is it is it about performance? You know, mm-hmm. because I mean, it, on the face of it, a DJ should be up on the stage or somewhere or in the corner of the room, spinning. Right? I mean, yeah. that's the idea. But it's kind of turned into it's very performative now. I mean, mm-hmm. the most famous DJs are big personalities yeah, that everybody yes. knows what they look like, and they've got. And so I'm sure that's part of his gig to be a character and. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to ask him about that. And he re- recently just DJed a couple of big events in in Toronto that was sort of the come the first post pandemic um, big parties, I guess again yeah. public parties um, pre new variant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> variant. <laughs> four more cases, by the way, are being investigated as we speak. Uh, four more cases of, where? Um, uh, four more variant of COVID. Um, Omicron or whatever. Yeah, but where? In Toronto. Where? In, tr- in Toronto? In Ontario, Ontario. Oh, it's here already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Two of them confirmed, four more being a, d- a couple of days ago, it was only in South Africa or something. Now <laughs> yeah. it's... Uh, yeah. And more, baby. Yeah, all right. Well, yeah. here come the lockdowns. Uh, <laughs> no. We are coming to you on rookmedia.com. It is there that you can link to all of our platforms. We're on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We're doing this on different programs now we've got uh we've got upg we've got the contemporary history of iran we've got rook the the og the original uh production we're on uh spotify soundcloud apple podcasts instagram and Castbox. if you'd like to see some visuals with rook switch over to youtube right now and if you like your rook descriptions and bulletins in english and in persian Check us out on Telegram, and you can become a patron of this show. You can support us by hitting the Support Us button on our website, rookmedia.com. It's the red button on the top right-hand corner. Uh, Support us and become a patron a few bucks a month, and it really helps us out. Hey, a big shout-out to Katy Kavandi Immigration Services Incorporated. Incorporated, 
is what I meant to say. Katsi Kavandi Immigration Services is certified, Keon, certified by the Immigration Consultants of Canada. Please look at you Indeed bopping up are. and down. You are a regular a DJ at us. Yeah, yeah. Is this shy of it, did this? That's Aras. He's working overtime here. <laughs> Kathy Kavandi Immigration Services, certified by the Immigration Consultants of Canada Regulatory Council, and uh, delivers exceptional results on your immigration application. Their firm has maintained exemplary standards of professional practice and will give you a peace of mind. You can rely on them for advice and representation. Also, Kathy Kavandi Immigration has officially obtained the agency for the American University of Antigua College of Medicine, the AUA throughout Canada. So this university offers a medical program that serves international students who are inspired to become doctors in the USA, Canada, UK, or other countries and enables graduates to apply for residency and fellowship throughout these countries and then apply for a permanent residency. So you see how that works? Mm. You go, you become a doctor, then you become a Canadian citizen. For further information, go to immigration on Instagram, immigration on Instagram. Thank you for your support, Katikavandi. I'm actually going to Antigua next Friday. Really? Yeah. To become part of the College of Medicine? <laughs> I'm going to become a doctor. No, I'm kidding. And then you can become a resident. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I'm going to uh, enjoy the mighty beautiful beaches that there's, there's not an episode that goes there, by without we're talking without about a personal careful, caviar yeah. guy like, showing no. up going do you guys not enjoy your lives do you not do no, anything no actually <laughs> like, I'm, I'm pretty sure shy, shy and I don't enjoy our lives <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite concerned like what do you guys do for fun I mean if enjoying your life is what you do then <laughs> we an definitely don't it. enjoy our lives <laughs> <laughs> the driving around in McLaren's and the caviar uh, Antigua uh-huh. Um, hey, speaking of Kathy Gavendi, I saw her actually on the weekend in in person. At uh, she was at the Faramaz Aslani concert. Oh, yeah. How yeah. was that? You went I went. Yeah. Lovely Faramaz. I took a, a hot date. I took my mom. Yeah. You know, and uh, my. Uh, uh, my mom actually, Kathy Kamandi is she's kind of diminutive and young looking in person, mm-hmm. you know. So my mom, she came over and, and said hello to me, and then I said, "This is my mom." And my mom was like, "Oh, check out what you do And I was like, "What did you expect?" Uh, you know, because she's an immigration person, she has to be like hundred years old or something. Anyway, uh, the Farmer's Aslani concert was fun, but I gotta say, I mean. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Listen. <laughs> these Persians. Good <laughs> God. Uh, well, no, no fights that I saw. Okay. I'm sure there were some fights. It's a you shame. Know? But uh, no, it wasn't that. It was that it was this thing about the timing and the Persian lateness ah. thing. Mm. Now, it, I don't understand. What I haven't figured out, for those of us who grew up in the West, mm-hmm. is how they all know telepathically <laughs> exactly how late to be for a concert. Because <laughs> you got a ticket, you got a ticket price, you got a ticket time yeah. on it, right? Yeah, yeah. The ticket time was 6.30, okay. doors 6.30, yeah. all right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's not abnormal. Mm-hmm. You know, most concerts, you go to Massey Hall, you go to Madison Square Garden, mm-hmm. whatever. Door is 6.30. Now, what time does that mean the concert starts? <laughs> In a normal society, what, 7.30, 8? You know? One hour they give. So it. I, knowing that these wily Persians are usually <laughs> late for this, I texted Farmaz's uh, partner, okay. uh, the fabulous Marijan, Here's my, I got an inside. You know, <laughs> you I, got, I, got, I, got, you. I got a connection. <laughs> so I go, hey, I know the doors say 6.30. But what time is Farmer's actually going? On? When's, what time does it really begin? Yeah. It says scheduled to begin at 8. Oh. All right. So Beautiful. so I say to my mother, 
there's no need for us to be there any earlier <laughs> than, eight. than quarter to eight. You know, uh, we want to see Farrah's from the beginning. There's no word that there's an opening act, by the way. Oh, there's an opening act? There was an opening act. Oh, anyone we know? <laughs> Trust me. It. Wait till, yeah, yeah. All right, so so my mother and I drive in the, you know, we, I pick her up right on time. You know, it's kind of, it's way out in Oakville. Mm-hmm. Beautiful Oakville. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, but really, it's kind of out there, you know. So, all right, so we get there like 740, all excited and, you know, some, some people are milling about in the front, and so I figure, oh, everybody's already in the theater. You know, <laughs> look, there's not a lot of people here. It's a thousand five hundred people coming to see Farmer's Asselini. There, there, nobody has a few people at the front door. I mean, so clearly everyone's gone inside already. It was empty, wasn't it? And my my mom <laughs> wants to go to the bathroom. I'm like, come on, we're going to be late. You know, I don't want to be rude and get there. You know, we I knew I was sitting up front, and I didn't want Farmer's to see me walking in after <laughs> after eight. You know. So we walk into this place. Uh, it must have been about 10 to 8, all right? <laughs> I, I Absolutely no word of lie. There's three people God. sitting in their seats. This is a, it's, just a, it's just an empty stadium. Like, it's an empty arena, the theater. No, there's no one in there. There's nobody in there. There's three people, like two people. I think they were, like, seniors who had to, like, be, you know, get, get there in advance That's to make sure. <laughs> I mean, it is empty, right? Wow. And I think, like, how does it, you know, and my mom, you know, my mom, I mean, my mom's Persian, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. Born in Tabriz, but she's been westernized. She's been yeah. out, outside of Iran long enough that she doesn't, she doesn't have the telepathy, right? She's, yeah. a, so the DNA, the whatever, you're so, <laughs> it's here's what I don't understand. So, so, and then I, my mom wants to say, I'm like, it's embarrassing to sit, we can't sit here with only three people in here. <laughs> now we got to go walk around, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in some hockey arena or something. I don't know, what are we, so then I'm taking my mom walking around, you know, and then uh, let's go back to the bathroom again, mom. Let's go, <laughs> buy a tea, you know, what are we going to do? Oh right? Was there like a bar or something? There is a, not really. There's like a concession that you oh. could get a little glass of wine. And what time is it at this point? That's quarter eight. So we okay. leave and we go walking around, and uh, slowly, you know, people uh, start seeing people start coming up. Hey, you know, I see people and I see some friends that. And and then we went for a tea and I did it again because it was like now it was close to nine o'clock. And it took me a while to get my tea, and then and I was like, "We got to go in because you can't bring the drinks in." Yeah. So I threw out the tea to go back in. <laughs> Still <laughs> half empty. And I don't understand how everyone knew that around nine forty three they should walk in, but really? it's like everybody basically came in at the same time. Wow. And then uh, this show that's supposed to start. I mean, I, I you know. I don't, I'm not thinking a Farmer's Aslani concert is a you know a late night club gig, right? <laughs> <laughs> Little do I know in my culture, you know here the Persian culture that is things start. So then uh, there's an opening act. Hey, oh. please welcome Seal Mac, and Seal Mac comes out and and you know plays for I don't know 45 minutes or something, yeah. and then now we take a break, and <laughs> oh that is so then we had to go outside and mill around again. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I think Fireman's probably came on at, I don't know, 10 o'clock or 10 something. O'clock. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you had inside information. How did you? I meant nothing. <laughs> I think, I don't think, I think Marijan thought that I'm smart enough to know that even when she texts me and says 8 p.m., it really means 10 p.m. Uh. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, do you still have the disease? You still have this concerts, Reza where you know go, when to get there. I for I don't go to very many Persian events, uh, like official events. I go to Mehmunis, and you're just supposed to be late. And I'm, <laughs> well, I, I late. listen. 
I, 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 I mean, Keon knows, you know, a couple of years yeah. ago, I was dating somebody who was very Persian, mm-hmm. you know, more for soon she'd come from Iran, not, uh, I mean, actually a while ago, but was very, very, yeah. and we would, in these kind of situations, she was handy because I'd be like, we got to get there. And she'd be like, oh no, 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 don't worry. She had the, the antenna, you know, she was like, ah, no, no, we can walk in at 943 to a concert yeah. that has tickets that say 8 p.m. on the ticket. Uh, it's a weird thing. I don't, I, I don't really know if there's any other culture that like it's a complete disrespect for what's on the ticket. Like it's mm-hmm. like a, we don't care what the timing is. We know, like, and everybody's in on it. I guess. I mean, the yeah. performer must know. Like, you know, we're not going to go on a date. Yeah. He knows his people. We're going to go. Let's go and have a coffee because the you know the crowd's well, going to come. Sure, the performer would go on stage if the theater was packed at eight thirty. <laughs> so, just... so Shia, is this actually like this in Iran, or is this a diaspora thing where they? Uh, to be very honest, I think it's a kind of uh, in diaspora. I say it more. To be very honest, oh, because, really? yeah, yeah, in Iran, like in Iran, they come to a dang show gig at the right time. Yeah, uh, I mean, to, uh, for dang show, I can say like uh, and dang show and like uh, concerts like dang show, half an hour is the most delay. But here, yes, for example, in Vancouver, our show was late for one hour and a half. <laughs> So. Yeah, that's weird <laughs> because the crowd because the crowd hasn't turned up to see us yet i mean that's it's so crazy. weird yeah. the in in yeah I, it's so strange yeah. look in i can tell you you know i was on the road for 10 years in a yeah. band right like i've played everywhere in north america and europe sometimes there are folks who come a little late because they don't care to see the opening acts mm-hmm. and they know there's opening acts yeah. which are usually announced mm-hmm. by the way but most of the time, especially when, like, this isn't some indie act that people have paid 10 bucks. Nah, mm-hmm. let's, honey, let's go for dinner. If we're late, we're, this is Fairman's Aslan. This is presumably people are excited to be there, right? Yeah. They want to see him. They've paid a real ticket price. I mean, you know, yeah. empty, <laughs> empty at eight o'clock, right? So strange. I mean, venues have time, like timing restrictions when the people, like once the concert's over, the cleanup crew comes oh, yeah. in. And so and I'm just true. curious Oftentimes, how that works. especially if it's a union house, like if yeah. it's a, you, you got to close, you know, you, you pay more if it's after 11 p.m. Yeah. I don't know how that worked the other I guess night. they find the locations that don't have that. <laughs> I mean, we, uh, afterwards I got to uh, spend a little time with the fireworks and, yeah. and a few folks and we, we went to this place like, uh, it was like two in the morning. I was out with my mother at some <laughs> place in Oakville, you know, because I mean not because we were I mean because that's where the concert ended you know it's like a (laughs) wild (laughs) night for Mrs. Gormish oh my god you know (laughs) she got the pictures with Farah and uh, you know had some soup and oh yeah so how was the actual concert oh I mean it was lovely seeing him of course I mean uh they, they had some drama because one of the folks that uh, was coming to play with them, the guitarist, mm. uh, these crazy stories still where he had been tested a few times and he was vaccinated, but still they said had to stay in the hotel and had to oh. quarantine or something oh. like that. So at the last minute, they had to find a, wow. a guitarist oh, sure. to, wow. to play with your buddy, Ali yeah, Reza. Yeah. yeah, wow. So he did a good job, but it was the whole, you know, it was, it was I felt bad for Faramaz. I mean, there was so much that yeah, you're dealing with. Like, yeah, stress. Like, you got to, okay, switch guitarists at the last moment and, you know, and... Uh, but thankfully, they had an extra two hours before they went on stage <laughs> because uh, the crowd, the crowd hadn't turned yeah. up yet. Uh, you know. well thought out. 
He's he's so great. It's lovely. Yeah, to see. It's so great seeing him. He's such a gracious man and a great. How was the crowd? Great singer. I mean, the crowd was nice. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. It was a very very diverse crowd. Mm. Like a, a lot of different folks, different ages, mm. and you know. Uh, but all on the same page, except for me and my mother, about what time, <laughs> what time there. to get there. Yeah, <laughs> you'll learn one day. <laughs> I, I will. Hey, um, we've got uh, the uh, contemporary history of Iran. Uh, we're running on Thursdays, uh, and this week I wanted to give a, a heads up, a telegraph of what's going to be on, mm-hmm. on on this Thursday show: the rise of opium. Keon. Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Listen, you got me tuned in. All right, I'm in. You may know or you may not know that mm-hmm. opium is indigenous to Iran. I do know that. And Afghanistan, too. Well, yes. Obviously. And and the, uh, but when opium actually became uh, a really big deal in Iran and it widespread and then actually shifted from something that you would eat for medicinal purposes to smoke for recreational purposes was in the Qajar era late 1800s into the uh, 20th century, right? 19th century, 20th century. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we're gonna, I'm gonna do, we're gonna do an episode about mm-hmm. about that period and, and the impact of opium, which frankly is still a big deal in Iran. I never understood with my dad, I, I've told, I might've told you this story before, but you know, when I was growing up, I mean, a teenager in, in Canada, you know, growing up in England and Canada, and I would say something like, uh, uh, dad, you know, we're, I, I'm not going to be home till late or something. And, and my dad would say, be careful. Do not do these drugs. That every, the opium and like, <laughs> the opium. opium. Like, dad, <laughs> it's not the 1920s. <laughs> like, but like his conception <laughs> of good. drugs was yeah. cultural, like yeah. was based on growing up in Iran. And, and even today, oh, there's yeah. a, that, you know, opium is more of a reality there that, I mean, no one talked about opium. And, has anybody, you know, my, my dad would say the same thing, like opium's your. Be careful! Somebody's going to offer you opium at the club. I don't think so. Uh, there's nobody's going to give you opium. Right? <laughs> you know what's funny? You know how to say opium in Farsi? No. Opium? No. Teriyak. Ah. You say teriyak. Oh, teriyak. And then we have teriyaki chicken here, right? <laughs> so so I, you my, thought that <laughs> you get a buzz so from the somebody. first time my dad got, uh, came here. I took him like I was showing him around and stuff. So we went to the mall, and then one <laughs> next thing you know, we're at the food court, and he's like. Teriyaki chicken? <laughs> chicken was a dick I'm like, no, uh, Our sweet father. So anyway, this Thursday on the Contemporary History of Iran, the same platform you're listening to this uh, Rook episode on, you can find the Contemporary History of Iran, The Rise of Opium. And I know that we have some letters coming up uh, later in the show. I guess we're going to do them before DJRS. Yes, that's right. Uh, and some of them are based on the Contemporary yeah, History of Iran yeah, episodes. Yeah, really and loving it. Yeah. We haven't done letters in a couple of weeks. No, so you got a backlog. Weeks. I do. All right. So we will get to DJ Adas in the Rook studio in a little while. We've got uh, letters coming up. Captain Reza, Groovy Shia, the fabulous Keon, a big episode of Rook. Stick around. Let's get to our guests around the crisis in Esfahan. You know, many of you who are listening around the world may know the desperate environmental crisis in Iran has been worsening 
for years now, but the situation, specifically the specter of water scarcity, has grown more dire this year. In July, we dedicated an episode of Rook to the water situation in the southern Khuzestan region of Iran and the protests that had emerged in the streets of many cities there. Now, a crisis really that has engulfed the whole country of Iran has become more pronounced in the central Iranian city of Esfahan, where farmers have taken to the streets in the thousands for the last fortnight. And then last Friday, during a massive demonstration, hundreds of those making their voices heard were arrested in violent protests over the drying up of a lifeblood river. There are disturbing reports about horrific injuries sustained by protesters, uh, intimidation of medical staff in hospitals attending to the wounded. Uh, the protests were initiated by farmers demanding their water rights after a blockage of the Zayandarud River by state water authorities. Uh, in order to give us a perspective on this crisis, I'm joined by two Iranian observers who've been following the events closely. Alan Ekbatani is a geotechnical engineer based in California. Before migrating to the United States, he worked as a private sector geological surveyor and led the pre-construction survey teams on many dam projects in Iran. Alan is joining us from Irvine, California. Hello, sir. Hello, and thank you for having me. Thank you very much for being on the program. And Mohammed Manzarpour is a veteran journalist who is based in Washington, D.C. He was a longtime bureau chief for the BBC Persian Service, BBC Persian's first Middle East correspondent, in fact, as well as later being the executive editor of VOA Persian. Mohammed is now the general manager of Persis Media and director of Persis News Agency. He is also a contributing editor with Rook Media. And Mohammed Manzarpour joins us from Washington, D.C. today. Hello, Mohammed. Hello, Gian. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. It's uh, always good to talk to you, Mohammed. Let me start with you. Um, there was a violent crackdown on protesters in the central Iranian city of Esfahan, as I said, last week after the uh, Iranian government seemed to be tolerating growing protests over scarce water supplies over the previous two weeks. What happened on Friday? Uh, well, um, on Friday, uh, the regime forces uh, attacked the protesters. They began the attack in the middle of the night. That they set fire to the camps uh, erected by the protesting farmers, and uh, they basically attacked them with the special anti-demonstration police and also with their plain clothes suppressive kind of gangs uh, or the Basij, uh, the IRGC mobilization force. And um, the farmers returned to the uh, dried riverbeds uh, the subsequent day. There were further attacks. They uh, shot a lot of the uh, protesters with pellet guns. And uh, we're seeing horrific injuries sustained by the protesters on their faces. Many people have lost their sights because of the pellets, uh, which have uh, directly hit the eyes of some protesters. Right now, as we speak, Isfahan is under uh, pretty much a siege by the uh, anti-demonstration police, and uh, the gathering has been disrupted, but there is a, a kind of state of emergency in Isfahan. You, you mentioned where the farmers were protesting. I, I just want to put a fine point on this for those who haven't seen the video footage because it's quite it's quite astounding to see. They're actually The farmers were actually gathering in the thousands where the river had been. I mean, as if to really make the point of it, where the demonstration was happening was where water used to be, right? 
Exactly. Uh, Isfahan, as you know, was the capital of Iran for many, many years. And uh, the location of the city is strategically based on the Zayan, the Rud River, uh, which literally means uh, the, the birth-giving, the life-giving li- river. And many Isfahani farmers depend on the water uh, distribution by the river for their agricultural farms, and they've lost their livelihoods over the uh, recent years where the water has become, become more scarce by the year, and now it's dry for the better half of the year. Alan, let me bring you in here. In a moment, I want to ask you about what the reasons are why this environmental situation has arisen in Iran. But but first, just tell me about how you see the nature of how this is expanding and extending. In July, there were widespread protests in Khuzestan, in the Khuzestan region, which uh, has been, of course, hit hard by water shortages. Uh, Isfahan now is Iran's third largest city. What, what does it mean from your perspective that mass protests on the environmental situation in, in Iran have now extended to Esfahan as the new epicenter? Short answer to your question is absolutely mismanagement of the government. We have been living in this semi-arid area for centuries, depending on the population and local needs. We had managed how to distribute the water by a man who is named in Persian Mirab, both in local and national scale. To do this, in the modern history, the first project to develop an area or a country is the land use planning, to get to know about the potentials of each area, either mining, industry, agricultural, and so on. The water resource is the main issue for all of these prospective models to focus on. So I take it you're not surprised that this is now hitting Esfahan hard and that there's been protests no. there? No, no. Can I, can I just ask you on the, I mean, what do you make of the, what the government says? I mean, the Iran Meteorological Organization estimates that some 97% of the country is dealing with drought at some level, that this is the, the drought situation is worse than it's been for many, many decades. How much is drought to blame for the water shortages as the government claims? And how do you balance the environmental reasons for this, like drought, like God-given events versus mismanagement? Actually, the government duty is to predict any events that will be coming on in the future, like drought, like hurricane, like everything. Of course, drought is a problem in the semi-arid area we live in, but drought is not the main problem. The main problem is mismanagement and not predicting about the drought, the distributing of water, system. For example, we cannot make a steel plant in a desert as Islamic Republic did. Land use planning, unfortunately, land use planning project never has been planned in Iran. Neither Pahlavi regime nor Islamic Republic tried to do this. That is the main reason for this mismanagement. Sorry, why would they? I know we're we're supposed to not be surprised by strange, if not moronic, decisions that the government of Iran sometimes makes. But but why would they do that? Why would they build steel plants in the middle of a desert that would require the diversion of water resources? 
there is a lot of reasons. There is a lot of reasons. For example, the, a man in the government is from Chairman. He likes to make a steel plant in Chairman. He didn't think about that if this area can accept this plant or not. The other thing is the corruption. Corruption, corruption. The government, Islamic Republic government, is a corrupt government. And they do everything about their benefits, not about the national benefits. Local benefits, personal benefits, always is the first reason, not national benefits. Mohammed, as... Alan is suggesting this, uh, and when we had uh, Kaveh Madani on a, a couple of months ago, a few months ago, about the same crisis, this isn't brand new. This mismanagement has been going on for years. This is an accumulation of, of events. Uh, this key river for Esfahan, uh, the, the, this major uh, Zayan Darud river, has faced water shortages and droughts for years. And I know farmers have intermittently protested the lack of attention given to this issue for a long time. Why has the volume been turned up now? Why the last couple of weeks? I think there are a number of reasons. One is that uh, many farmers have been sustaining their livelihood by selling what little they have, selling parts of their land, selling their machinery, selling their tractors. And they've always been promised an elevation of water rights in multiple years, and that has never materialized. At the same time, Iran is faced with massive inflation. And uh, right now, many of these farmers honestly cannot make ends meet. They cannot continue to sustain their families, their lives by just selling whatever they've had. There is nothing more to sell uh, and there is no water coming either. So they are basically at the end of their patience. There is no hope for them. And that's why they have resorted to this kind of uh, very peaceful protest, I must say. The protests were very peaceful before the regime uh, decided to crash down on them and suppress them and uproot the protests. Alan, you're not just an observer sitting in California. I mean, you you have firsthand experience with this situation in Iran. You were there. You've been the lead assessor on many dam projects in Iran, including the what has been described as the catastrophic uh, Godvand Dam in in uh, the on the River Karun. Uh, you advised against the construction of that dam in particular. Can you give us specifically in that case? why you were against it, and why your words were not accepted or heeded by the government. Actually, in Gotland area, I was a consultant engineer in geotechnical project in both pre-feasibility and feasibility phase of the Gotland project. And we worked more than two years, day and night, 24 hours, seven days per week. Finally, we chose five axes for the dam. The access number five was the worst one because of Jatsara formation behind the axis and in reservoir two. I told, I wrote in my report clearly and transparently, this axis number five is not a good point for this dam. Sorry, just, just, just let me just cut you off there for for those of us who are 
who are not um, <laughs> engineers or geological experts. What is an access point uh, for a dam? What What is that? The, the point that should be built up is the axis of the dam. Okay. The, behind the axis was the Gatsara formation full of salt and the material can be sold, can be sold with the water. And in the reservoir too. But they didn't listen to us. I did argue with them. Why did you pay money to us? And we had been working two years here, day and night, to get a good result, to know what place is good. And now we are telling you that this place is not a good. Why do you want to build that one? But they didn't listen to us. This is a sign of mismanagement. Of course, there was a corruption, financial corruption behind that. That is, is a long story about the corruption of that project that made the disastrous in our country. So in a sense, so you're saying you could have basically predicted a lot of what you and other experts like yourself who were actually working on this stuff could have predicted that this was all going to happen. Clearly, I have, I have written in my report that the Gatsaran makes a lot of problems with the water and in the structural damage for the dams too because of the, uh, the solving the Gatsaran formation make the heavy uh, formation above that could be filled in the dam and the dam will be destroyed. When you say that they, they didn't listen to you, you're, I mean, your immediate superiors or the people in the uh, environment ministry or, or in charge of water, um, I mean, I get it. There's corruption, there's mismanagement. Why wouldn't they have the foresight to realize that if the country is starving, if there's a, a water scarcity crisis, uh, it, it's going to affect their popularity or, the, or their interests as well, is it not? There was uh, at that time there was an election period for Rasanjani was the, the last period of time, and they want to tell the people and to the government that we made a lot of projects, we made a lot of dams, no matter what kind of dams, just showing off, just showing off, and financial corruption too. After our report, the head of this project changed the supervisors because they followed our report. They changed all of that and brought a new managers. It must be it must be heartbreaking for you, Alan, to not for me, for the nation. Not, not for no, but me. for you to see what's happening in Iran given my the team was about three hundred people. Three hundred people, engineer, doctorate, workers, technician work two years, day and night, 24-7. And finally, they didn't listen to us and made this disastrous uh, for, for the nation. Of course, it is heartbreaking for me. But what can I do? Unfortunately, there is not any short-term remedy. Let me, let, me, let me get to that. Let me get to remedies. But I, I just want to bring Mohammed in, uh, as you've been listening to Alan talk about this. I'm, I'm guessing that, first of all, that uh, none of what he's saying is entirely a surprise to you, uh, but that also what happened with the Godfad Van Dam is, is not an anomalous situation, but something you've heard over and over again. Can you speak to this? 
yes, absolutely. Unfortunately, most of the dams which were constructed and the dam construction project began during Ayatollah Rafsanjani's presidency, he was kind of portraying himself as the director of reconstruction of the country. But most of these projects later proved to be based on very short-term, short-sighted political gains. The people who were in power, they, they prioritized their uh, regional alliances over national interests. And many such dams uh, basically destroyed the natural flow of water across the country. And the downstream areas were devastated by the construction of these dams. None of the dams that were constructed after the revolution have uh, had any uh, constructive role in the distribution of water or in the production of hydroelectric power in the country. Well, it's, the it sounds like dam- it's not it's not just they didn't have a constructive role. It sounds like they made things worse. Absolutely, absolutely. Because they were done for regional, uh, you know, they wanted to Uh, solidify their base, their regional kind of support base, their grassroots supports in the areas that they originated from. And this devastated the water distribution in the country, which we are now faced with. And as Mr. Ekbatani said, basically there are no short-term remedies now. It's not possible for the regime to open some of these dams. For example, the Gotvan Dam, if it's opened, if the Uh, If the water reservoir is opened, uh, the highly salty water would destroy the agricultural fields downstream. They don't know what to do with it now. That's the reason. And water is being uh, diverted for many pet projects by the IRGC uh, financial institutions, you know, uh, organizations and companies which are connected to the revolutionary guards they have constructed all sorts of crazy projects in desert areas like uh, ceramic companies and whatnot which are uh, heavily dependent on water i really don't see a solution for the regime to come out of this crisis the country is also interconnected so i mean we in the summer we were talking about khuzestan and a couple of other regions balochistan but um now, Esfahan, I mean, would you presume that this is just going to keep happening um, all over the country? Or, I mean, if we're not seeing protests in Tehran because it hasn't hit home there yet, but it will at some point. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the water crisis is going to just grow because there are no immediate solutions. There is no button that they can press to elevate the water shortage in the country. Okay. So it's just going to s- uh, spread across the nation. So, so Alan, let me bring you back in here because, um, I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I remember the same feeling speaking to Kaveh Madani a couple of months ago because the only thing more devastating than hearing about the water crisis that's currently uh, occupying the, Iran in, 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 in such a devastating way is to hear that there's no no way to fix it. It is so embedded in problems now that a solution is um, is years away somehow. So if you were, um, if you did have the ear of the government, if they brought you back right now and said, we will listen to you, tell us what to do, what, what would you say, Alan? How would you try to begin to fix this? Unfortunately, there is not any short-term 
remedy for this. No, there is not short-term remedy. But there is a long-term or at least a middle-term remedy for this crisis. If there is a big if here, if we are ready to a big surgery in our developing system, not only in water resources, for everything, because they are connected together. Water resources, industries, mining, agriculture, are is connected to each other. So we have to have a big surgery in our developing system. Is Islamic Republic ready for this? The answer is no. So the crisis will be rising up. I'm sure that the crisis will be rising up. Does, does Iran have the, the resources for a big surgery, as you say? If the government wants, yes, mm. there is a remedy for big surgery, but Islamic Republic is not ready for that. All right. Mohammed, let me, um, let me finish off with, with asking about the, back to the protests on Friday and what, and what they represent. I mean, the, the government, of course, blamed the protests on anti-revolutionary elements uh, and blamed the violence in Esfahan on, on uh, anti-revolutionary elements. Um, the protests, I guess you could say, turned political in Esfahan. There were chants of death to the dictator. That sentiment seems more widespread and more publicly expressed than, say, a decade or two ago. Have Maybe there's more oxygen for that kind of uh, sentiment. Have the protests gotten bolder and more vociferous in your view? I think that is an accurate description, um, basically uh, because of the immense economical crisis that the country is uh, grappling with. The majority of the middle class are now uh, under the poverty line uh, and the national currency, the rial, is losing value as a, at an astronomical rate. Uh, that is why uh, many people are um, now openly calling for regime change in Iran. This wasn't the case a couple of years ago. I mean, this is not the first protests that we've had, but what we are seeing in recent protests is people calling for regime change. And that is something which is new on the Iranian political spectrum. I think it's an issue which is going to become stronger by the day because uh, the uh, the structure of the government is and the ideology of the government is the main reason for the shrinkage in the purchase power of the average Iranian family. The uh, Iranians are now suffering because of the government's international policies, because of the regime's hold on the economy. More than 80% of the economy is now controlled either by the state or by organizations which are very closely affiliated to the to the state. Now, the private sector is basically disseminated and destroyed, and uh, people are losing their livelihoods. That's the main reason. There are many, many Iranians who have no prospects of finding a job despite having the, the right education, despite having the training. There are no jobs to be created because there is no investment in the private sector. And uh, I don't see any way for the regime to come out of this mess unless they totally change their ideology. 
the big surgery that Alan's talking about. Exactly. Uh, Mohammed, I thank you very much for this. Alan, thank you so much today. Thank you very much for having me on, and it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I hope uh, we have a chance to have you both on again and at some point for something uh, more positive than this kind of news. Thank you to both of you. Bye-bye. 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 Alanik Batani is a geotechnical engineer based in California. Uh, he joined us from Irvine, California today. And Mohammed Manzarpour is a veteran journalist based in Washington, D.C. He is the general manager of Persis Media and the director of Persis News Agency. He joined us from Washington today. Little taste of the Moin song, Esfahan. Microphone's back on for Groovy Shia, Captain Reza, and the fabulous Keon. I, I can only imagine you selected that song because it's called Esfahan and we were talking about Esfahan. Yeah, and also he, he's saying that Beram unja beshinam dar kenar zayande ro. Ah, like, he's talking about I, the river. Yeah, Let's I go wanna go yeah. sit by the river and start to sing. And, yeah. Man, those eyes I were saying in that interview, those those images of where they're protesting yeah. on that where the river normally is, mm. it's so crazy. Yeah. I mean, to see it that starkly, you know, that, that the, the water shortage here. Yeah, it was nuts. They were comparing, they were showing side-by-side side images of before and after, and one sign said, um, swimming is not allowed, mm-hmm. and, and like when there was water in the Zion. Yeah. And then the other one says, uh, no gatherings allowed <laughs> in the river. Imagine. Same way, when you hear somebody who worked on these uh, water systems and dams in Iran say, there's no there's no way to fix this, you know, other than other than radical surgery, it's... it's uh, it is pretty heartbreaking, man. And we're just going to keep we're just gonna keep, keep doing these stories. We're going to yeah. keep doing this. Yeah. It's going to just get worse and worse. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, hey, DJ Aras coming up in just a little bit. Uh, but first, it's Monday. We haven't done this for a couple of weeks, so we got a got a bit of a backlog. Hey, turn Keon on. Shai, why are you silencing Keon? <laughs> he thought you didn't know much to say about Esfahan. He's with the regime. Esfahan. He's silencing me. I'm kidding. He's not with the regime. He's with the Rook regime. We're silencing you. <laughs> silencing Keon. I give him a signal and he turns your microphone off. <laughs> should do that more often. Let's get to Letters of the Week. Uh, yeah. Couldn't join you. This you week, know, man. he he Too used tired. to do that. <laughs> Russell used to do that, like away from the microphone. Yeah, it was like this cute thing. I was like, yeah. what's it? And now he's like right on the microphone. <laughs> no, but but I, I I face away from the microphone. Yeah, it's not working. Have you ever thought of <laughs> becoming <laughs> a DJ or like an entertainer? I think you really have it in. No, I leave it to professionals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So a few weeks ago on episode 152, 
we had epi- uh, an episode called Persians Teaching English. Uh, so we had two different guests, uh, internet stars basically that have gained popularity teaching English to the Persians. Uh, we have Hushang Nur Mohammadi of Hushang Academy and Shahzad Kazmi, the host of Learning English with Sherry. Yes. So, username Pickle Rick wrote, I really like the small talks in the intros, especially this one. Funny thing, I was in a taxi while listening to this and it was so hard to control myself not to laugh out loud. Amazing content. I myself teach English, so it was very helpful. The thing is, people who want to learn English are after translations, but they don't understand that the definition could be totally different. For example, you can find an equivalent for a word, but it doesn't convey the proper definition. If there's going to be another episode with the same content, I would like to recommend Fahim.English. He lives in Iran. Oh, Fahim. First of all, thank you, uh, Pickle Rick. <laughs> yeah, that's thank right. Thank you, Pickle Rick. Uh, first of all, uh, f- uh, second of all, Fahim English, we actually booked him. Yes. And then, uh, yeah. and he was all set to do it. And then the timing didn't work no, out. The, the electricity. Oh, gone. the electricity oh. went out. Yeah. But then he wouldn't let us. Then we tried to rebook it, and he was like, eh, "He yes. faramushed us. Yes. <laughs> he gave us the faramush, <laughs> not the faramars, <laughs> the faramush, <laughs> faramush, faramush. Can you do the fandango? So yeah, he, uh, yeah, I would love to get this." Uh, Fahim English. Uh, yeah. well, I don't know if I'd love to. I mean, you know, he's faramushing <laughs> he us. us. Yeah. yeah. How dare he? <laughs> he lost electricity. Where Where was he? Tehran. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, we were about to do it, and yeah, then yeah. the electricity went out in, yeah. in Iran. It all yeah. comes back full circle, man. You see. You see. Uh-huh. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I see. Shortage of water. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're tying the water to the. Uh, it's affecting right. our show, baby. Uh, all right. All right. So last last week we had. Uh, part seven of the Contemporary History of Iran series. It was about Siakal and the failure of the left. Uh, so Dr. Maziar Behruz joined us. He's an Amer- uh, Iranian-American historian, associate professor. Um, what else did he do? He's the author of Rebels with a Cause, The Failure of the Left in Iran. Yes. So he talked about that topic. I think it was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, two was weeks. it two yeah, weeks? Yeah. Oh my God, I'm losing. Last week was Shiraz Festival. You're right. Yeah, yeah my bad. Um, you ever, have you ever listened to the show? <laughs> of course I have. I just, okay. I, I have no concept of time sure. anymore. Yeah. I know you like the Kanun one. Yeah. You like the ones that have to do with Shapo Nu. I know. Yeah. That's the only one she and, t- and then she forgets the, she faramushes. You got one <laughs> she, she does the faramush. <laughs> I mean, on the, yeah. She's like uh, Fahim English or whatever his <laughs> name. We have our taste and interest, right? And uh, yeah, moving on. So Zohre Vaezion. The opium episode doesn't have to shout. <laughs> it's not about Shapo Nu. I cannot wait about it. Gonna this love is so that. fascinating. I, I like. I, I don't know anything about the rise of opium yeah. in Iran. So I feel like uh, I, I've been doing the research to get ready for this yeah. interview. It makes me kind of want to, you know, <laughs> Try do it. opium. Well, sure. I mean, I mean our yeah. people. That's what we do. It was you a know? thing in China too. No, in the like, yes. trade route in the Silk Road. Yes, they, they it came tried. partly through China, that's but right. it's a but originally it's a Persian thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've wait. I've heard it's body high, but it, it's not like. It's not like weed where you get like woozy and well. Also, it's become it's 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 how you consume it, right? Mm. It was consumed as an opiate, like like it was. Uh, what are we talking about? It's the letters. <laughs> DJ, DJ Aras is coming up. We'll come on, but anyway, yeah. Well, on Thursday's <laughs> yeah. episode, contemporary history of Rome. But it used to be like for everything you yeah. take opium, like I, the way you take Advil now yes. or Tylenol. Yeah. But then the, the smoking made it a lot more potent, a lot more dangerous for health, and a lot more yeah. addictive. So it's it's whether you, I mean, if you take an opium pill and more fun it's 
Well, <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of like an edible. Is like it from, versus is it from poppy seeds or something? Yeah. Yeah. Poppy, wasn't there a Seinfeld episode yes, where was. they thought Elaine was doing opium? <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. She was yeah, trying to go to that. Burma with uh, <laughs> with her that. boss, and then <laughs> she, she kept testing test. positive oh, for yeah. drugs. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was because she was eating poppy seed bagels. But it also leads. It's also how they make heroin. That's oh true. yeah. yeah. Opium is the gateway to heroin. Oh man, yeah. you should do like a few parts to this. <laughs> anyway, okay, she's never been more interested in our show. You know, <laughs> I know. she's she like all drugs. excited. Yeah, <laughs> I've never done opium. Would that you showed this kind of excitement for DJ Aras, who's <laughs> waiting outside the door to come in. <laughs> okay, let's uh, maybe let's if we talk to him about opium. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, letters, yes. Uh, Zohre Vaizian Va- wrote, "This is good for the young generation to get information about what happened before the revolution, especially the ones who blame their parents." Mm. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Zoria. And then Zoya Katuli wrote, Love it. I listened to it a f- several times. I totally agree with Dr. Maziar. Siakel inspired lots of intelligent, young, educated students who are seeking justice. Thanks again, Jianjun and Rukteen. All right. And uh, Natasha Hazrati wrote, Thank you for providing a balanced viewpoint of the armed struggle by Fadoyan at the historic moment they were in. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So, as are you only reading the good letters? <laughs> no, I mean, there they, were, they like actually, to see a cow. There one, actually eh? was not any negative no, letters. I, I would have thought reading, some people wouldn't like to see yeah. a cow. I thought so too. Yeah. I think maybe they just didn't, didn't want to say. Didn't anything. listen. <laughs> to listen. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you hate something, are you gonna right. stay tuned to it? So. Well. Yeah. Anyway, uh, moving on. Uh, so on episode 155, we had an interview with Iranian American recording artist and author Seper Hadad. He's the author of A Hundred Sweet Promises, and it's the story of how his great grandfather was. Uh, she w- he was a music tutor or something to the prince, the Russian princess or something back in. Am I getting it wrong? Shaya is holding the book. Not his great grandfather. His great grandfather was the guy who wrote the national anthem in uh, oh, yes, the Min yes, Bashian. Yes. But his but his grandfather, his grandfather. was yeah. had had a uh, an illicit story. affair uh-huh. with uh, with the the Tsar's niece. niece. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Fascinating. Are you reading the book right now? Yeah. yeah. Is yes. it good? Yeah, it's good. I mean, 10 pages left. Wow. I'm going to talk to you about it after. And then, uh, so yes, so a few people wrote about that episode. Sepida Homa wrote, great show. Thank you, Rook. I got so curious about the book that I ended up buying it right after this. Yes, nice. Support Seper. Good. Uh, And then Fred Parvane wrote, congratulations to Seper Hadod on your book. And thank you, Gion, for featuring Mr. Hadod on your podcast. Thank you, Fred. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Hob, last week on episode 156, we had an interview with acclaimed Iranian-American fashion designer, Behnaz Sarafpour, who, by the way, won the National Design Award handed to her personally by Michelle Obama mm-hmm. at the White House. Mm-hmm. What have you done, Kian? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. I just enjoy life. That's yeah, what exactly. I'm good at. You know, some people... I bet you Behnaz Sarafpour is not going to Antigua with her <laughs> caviar. Listen, I some people... bet you she doesn't have a caviar guy. And she hangs out with Angelina Jolie. And bring some opium. <laughs> <laughs> it goes well with caviar. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, it does. <laughs> Probably used to go together during the Bajar period. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway. I yeah. wonder if we could take, uh, I wonder if opium is uh, like if the dogs are learning, you know, how to sniff for it. Because oh, yeah. it's such an old school drug, you know. Well, and if we get a buy, you know, uh, sir, what are you carrying? <laughs> Only opium from Qajar era Iran. <laughs> okay, then, please. please right this come, right, come right through. In fact, we'll bump you up. Uh, 
Uh, you're paying time. homage to your history and, uh, <laughs> and your heritage. No pot? No, no, no. Hash? Uh, 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 uh. Cocaine? Me. Absolutely not. Just just the opium from Kaja era. Yes. <laughs> and is it for uh, edible consumption it or is. no, smoking it? <laughs> it's like the high, highest like export out of Afghanistan, well, like the one that's spoken about is opium, Well, it's the, it's the number one producer of opium now that's in right. Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. But Iran's still up there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Come on, Iran. You can do it. Hey, Get up there. You know, don't get too excited. You know, what happened was when, when Iran became an opium producer, uh, and, and you know that became an opportunity to, to, to make some money mm-hmm. uh, in the 19th century and yeah. um, it, the opi- the new opium plantations displaced uh, a lot of cereals that were being grown other crops oh, wow. and there were yeah. terrible famines that happened in Iran in the 19th, oh, wow. 19th century wow. and it was partly because that there the food wasn't being grown because oh they were growing God. opium. Wow, You're I actually really did not know that. really making a case for listening to this Thursday. <laughs> there you go. Episode. This Thursday, like the rise of opium. Five times already. Actually, there's, okay, there's, we get it. There's no, no point listening to it. You've, I've, I've basically <laughs> given you the... <laughs> why, why, no, I'm looking forward to the time right, of this guest. Ba- yeah, back yeah. to letters about Behnaz Sarafpur. So on that episode, she talked about how, like in one example, in one part of the interview, she talked about how a teacher asked if she can call her Beth instead of Behnaz. Right. So a few people wrote about that. We have a Mahtab Hariri wrote, Oh gosh, I experienced the same story. They even called me bathtub instead of mahtub. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> no, but it's a little funny. <laughs> and then we have Mariam Duraki wrote, Here in Canada, when they ask my name, I answer them with the exact Persian uh, pronunciation with the second syllable stressed how it's supposed to be. Mariam. Mariam. They will hear it their own way and reply in a very nice manner, Ooh, Mahya, Mahya, or uh, Oh, Marion. And Mar- it's okay. Marion. Marion, yeah. Marion, yeah. And it's okay. This is due to our various phonetic systems of languages that exist am- among, uh, what? What are you saying? Not phonetics. Phonetics. Phonetic. Phonetics, sorry. I, I don't know the English very well. <laughs> which language? Which which language do you know? No. There's some words. Can, we, <laughs> I don't can you do it in your phonetic. native language? Which one is that? It's pretty. Raz's English is better than mine. Uh, th- this is what it's sunk to. Your I've been situation. Doing, been doing too much. is that Raz's English is Raz is connected is is correcting your. English. I'll blame it on the opium. Uh, they are doing opium. No, Dad. They're they're really not. Yes, Why you are doing opium? Uh, Dad, I, I don't even know where to get opium. <laughs> oh, okay, for the phonetic systems of languages that exist among different countries. I love this variety, by the way. Something to learn and listen to. By the way, DJ RS is coming up. Are we still <laughs> have, how many letters I are you going to do? I think I'm almost done. Hold all on, right, hold right. on. All right. So on that episode as well, we were uh, switching gears. Now we were talking about very sad. Uh, your Gian, your uncle passing, and yeah, how, my uncle Hussein. Yeah, that's right. And how hard it is to visit Iran, and just you know, it's a sad reality. To not be able to visit Iran. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So Jorgen Jorgen wrote, "Great program." Also, my condolences to your uncle's passing. By the way, Abadan is and was a fantastic city. Wearing Ray-Ban sunglasses is all the rage in Abadan. I totally resonate with what you guys are talking about. Mm. Cheers. I spoke about uh, Uncle Husheng always wearing dark shades. So that's what that reference is. <laughs> that must be it then. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, it's time for the letter of the week. All right. 
Are you sure you don't want to talk more about opium? And your <laughs> I, I, I think DJRS has left the building. <laughs> <laughs> He's given up on us. <laughs> He's oh, go outside ahead. the door. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Letter of the week. Uh, this week it goes to Puriyat Karimpur. He wrote, great as always. Grateful to have you guys. And yes, the numbers go slower now. And although I love the contemporary history edition, I miss hearing from the whole team twice a week. And he's referencing how uh, the numbers of Rook episode like 155, for example, it's only once a week now. So right, because yeah. we have the contemporary history. We're on that's Thursdays, right, yeah. That's right. Looking forward to having more regular episodes launched weekly. Wait, so you gave the letter of the week to a guy who's saying he misses hearing from you more. That's your point. Exactly. That's, <laughs> this that's, is a. That's my I don't ego think Kian should be in charge of letters anymore. <laughs> what do you mean? It's a great like, letter. It wasn't even a good letter. It's he just like I miss Kian. So. It's the letter. <laughs> he says, "Grateful to have you guys." Yeah. Is that not love? Is that no, not worthy that is, of letter of the week? It's very kind. In a world of darkness, it's nice to see some light. You already have a boyfriend. <laughs> what does yeah. that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, stop. Why are you trying to appease Puria? <laughs> yeah. He's also a doctor. People had written written beautiful letters. She bypasses. He gives the prize to this guy. The only thing I heard about. I miss seeing Keon. The only thing I've gotten from letters today is opium. So I don't know. Nothing else stands out. No, there were great letters. Please keep sending us letters. Info at roguemedia.com or post on any of our platforms. Exited the room, and uh, our special guest has entered. If you live in Canada and you are a fan of big Persian dance parties, you might know my future guest today. He is an Iranian Canadian DJ and showman who's made his mark in a big way. In fact, he's billed as Canada's first Persian celebrity DJ. Aras was born in Shiraz. He immigrated to, shout out to Reza, immigrated to Canada with his parents when he was 14 years old. He's obtained his BA in law and society at York University in Toronto, but was always passionate about music. He'd been active in the mainstream scene starting in around 2003 and entered the Iranian diaspora market around 2008 and quickly gained a name as a sought after talent. He's now made it his mission to be one of the most successful DJs in the industry and has shared the stage with Iranian A-list celebrities such as Shahram Shahpareh, Kamran and Human, uh, Dariush Ebi, Siavashakomeshi. That's just to name a few. He's the guy with the dynamic flair and the big hair. And DJ Adas joins me live in the Rook studio. Hello, sir. How are you doing, Gia? Nice to have you here. Thank you so much, first of all, for inviting me. Second of all, Durut Beto, all of your listeners, whoever is listening to this from anywhere in the world. Uh, and thank you for having me. It's it's truly a pleasure to be with you. It is a pleasure, although you're going to have to help me with the lexicon first, because there are so many monikers with you. Are you are you Aras? Are you DJ Aras? Are you DJ Bliss? Are you DJ Ecstasy? Are you 500 million? What do I call you, just for the sake of the interview? You know what? Call me Aras, because if you can pronounce it, I prefer Aras. Uh-huh. Everything else came because of the inability of people to pronounce my name really even at us well not in the iranian community Uh because don't forget i started everything in the canadian community right in the canadian entertainment scene and back there everybody was butchering my name obviously from high school and then i was like you know what i'm I'm just not gonna 
<laughs> deal with this. Right. I'll just give you guys something to try. Gion. I mean, they couldn't. You know, they didn't even know what what that what was, what species <laughs> it was. J i a n. But but did you? But how would they say at us in in Canadian speak? Oh, do you really want to hear like all the different? <laughs> I do. Versions? I do. Okay, yeah. so it goes like eras, harass, um, hairy ass. You know, like everything in the book, like harass. Uh, <laughs> Like, oh, okay, it just, yeah. like, harass was, like, good. the best one. Right, like, in right. high school, like, it was just my That name. was as good as it got, harass. That, that, right, that right, was right. literally, yeah. Like, um, <laughs> it's not even about, like, I, don't, I didn't care. Like, I never take things personally. It's just that, because Aras was the name I was born with, obviously. Uh-huh. It's the identity of Iran that I came here with. Mm-hmm. And as I needed to reinvent myself going through my teens, uh, and DJing came about, and, and schooling, uh, and there, there, there was a lot of like conflicting forces on each sure. side for the new identity to shape, and that new identity that was shaping, because it was a huge Jian. You don't understand. Like my parents for the first two years, they were like, "What do you mean you want to DJ?" Because I was like the nerd. <laughs> I was like the kid that wow. that was aspiring to be like the next smartest person in the family. Uh-huh. And, uh, like, and you can't be smart and be a DJ? Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> apparently people right. do not see that yeah, as a possibility. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 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 my parents doing the whole the traditional parents of Middle Easterns, you know, hey, we came here for you guys. We put everything behind. <laughs> so initially it was like that. Right. Uh, but then as they saw that I was being serious and I was building a lot of good traction, then they started throwing their way behind Are me. you saying, let me bring it back to the question I asked because we've gone so far afield oh, man. with your story, I don't know. Are you saying that in a way you've come back to Aras? You you had to forge an identity both because of the Canadianism and, and because of the uh, your parents' uh, feelings that was almost separate from Aras and you've now returned home? Can I actually tell you that today after living with Aras with 30, 35 years and living with Bliss for almost about 14 years, I feel more of a Bliss than Aras. Hmm. It's interesting, but I didn't actually have this deep of a connection to it, but ever since COVID happened, so much has happened. Okay, that's a good segue. Let me, let me, we're gonna get to all of this. Yeah. So, so first of all, um, let's start with the present moment in the affirmative, because uh, this is a good moment. You, you've just DJed what could be considered the first real comeback parties, at least for the Iranian community, uh, yeah. in public in Toronto since the pandemic hit. Um, I guess first things first, how, how emancipating has it been for you to be back at it? Wow. That has so much behind it that I could tell you. But before I do that, can okay. I tell you something? Yeah. Because I just I just want to I, I just want to clarify a little piece of information that you did in your amazing uh, intro and great intro for me. And it's that I didn't finish my BA. BA. Okay. I was about six credits short mm-hmm. and I still dropped out with an A average. So I was not a bad student. I dropped out after the strike that happened at York University, which mm-hmm. prolonged everything mm-hmm. and just threw me in the workforce. I never regretted that decision a day in my mm-hmm. life. Just coming back to your question now, sir. It was very noble of you to want to um, interrupt us to clarify that. I, 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 it was niggling sorry. at you. Uh, yeah, because you know what it is? Uh, it, it has come up to my attention mm. that 
people do care about these things in our community mm-hmm. and I don't want to be a person that takes credit for something that isn't okay. whereas I, in fact I don't think that that actually gives any merit to any human to have any kind of specific title or certificate or okay. degree okay. that's my belief yes, yes I get but you. Yeah. I respect other people's belief okay. too I just want to be truthful so I appreciate in, it in, in any other disclaimers everything any? else was were you born in Shiraz because or is that a rumor <laughs> is, is your name badass <laughs> <laughs> everything did else you is actually on go point. to York? Everything okay. else is on point. All right, all right. Sorry. So the question was, I know, I Back appreciate. I, really, I do appreciate the clarification. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, uh, I want to get into what what the it's been like, uh, what it was like during COVID. But before we get to that, what's it been like to get out of it and be back at back behind the turntables, so to speak? You know, I have a special vantage point in the Iranian entertainment scene because not many entertainers in our community also get to be hosts, promoters, marketing stuff, and performing at the same time. Okay. We have DJs that are DJs, then we have promoters and uh, show hosts, and then we have MCs and Master of Ceremonies. I have this unique vantage point because I get to do all three of them together. Uh-huh. So the feeling that you said coming back to it, uh, that's why I'm kind of torn because the promoting and hosting side of it is terrible. I do not want to deal with it. I never wanted to deal with it. Meaning it's high maintenance. It's difficult work. It's just such a grueling task in our community. It's grueling. It's grueling. And if it wasn't because of pure love and passion and the purpose that I had getting into this, there is no way I would have done this beyond the first year. But I did it. Grueling because you said in our community, you delineated. Correct. Uh, Because we are are, difficult people. Is that what you're Let's put it lightly. (laughs) <laughs> That's, I, I like that you're, 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 yeah, you're I'm trying to be I know you, 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 you framed yeah. it very proper yeah. but um, yeah the, see difficult undecisive pretentious I'm just going to be honest because that's who I am sure, like, I don't yeah, hide yeah. I don't beat around the bush uh, and the then, tickets have already been sold so you can uh, the, say yes. what you want <laughs> <laughs> and the, the events that just passed they were my last official events is that right yes they were announced also as such. I was I was announcing them as my because I did three events: one boat cruise in uh, August, mm-hmm. and these two back to back. And they were supposed to be my last three because of the host because of the the, the grueling part of it. Mm, well, that was it. That was a little bit of a factor, uh-huh. but no, it, it it had a lot bigger uh, reasons behind it that we could definitely. Uh, well, I get usually to. want to get into the your, the person's story uh, first, but but actually, since we're here. Um, and you, and you said you know to to say uh, uh, difficult is a is a is charitable is is a generous way of putting 100%. it because this is not you're not the first person to say this of course and even I it breaks my heart that to to say since I I really want to in my life and with with something like Rook Media to really help to. Um, celebrate the Persian community and rehabilitate the image of the community in terms of fighting those negative stereotypes and generalizations that have been made for years based on the regime back home or whatever. Um, but I know 
that it's difficult to do events with Persians. I mean, I've talked to, I did it for years hosting and stuff, and I talked to people like, you know, uh, Maz Jabrani or whatever, and we would, uh, I mean, we whisper this to each other. You don't want to say it too loud because you don't want non-Iranians to just think we're, we're dissing our own culture. But but it, it, it is really difficult. It's very high maintenance. Um, so tell me exactly what what you mean when you say uh, difficult is a is is a generous statement. The funny thing is the reason I laughed is because of you said we don't want to say loud, out loud because we don't want others to also go along with it. The truth of it is the others know it and they already put it out there in in our face. Right. Like we have one of the hardest times getting proper venues for our events because anywhere we go the moment you say this is a persian party they're like ah yeah our bar minimum really oh yeah check this out our bar minimum literally doubles because of a the previous history that community had built which by the way luckily because we worked so hard on this for the past 10 years we kind of rectified the bad rep of fights Okay, yeah. that was a massive issue. Like you, literally physical fights. Oh, dude. You don't see it as uh, almost at all in other communities or in <laughs> white communities. You go to, a, I mean, I've been to like black tie events. Yes. And there's a fight. And you'll be yes. like, what, what is like, happening? How do you do In oh, And yes, you're just yes. like, are you kidding me? And here's the thing. And, and, and let me again correct this too, because people actually call me on the information line because a lot of times I try to like, like we have like a routing system, but sometimes nobody's picking up, so I have to pick up. So, so here's the thing. I, literally somebody called me three days before the event and they, they say this, check this out, bro. They say, she says, I'm about to bring two of my Canadian friends. I am very <laughs> worried to Can bring them into this. Because she, she's right. had the experience. Right. She says, I don't want to look bad with a freaking, like, not even a fight, a brawl breakout. <laughs> because there is a difference. And, I, and this is what I told her. I said, listen, one thing, is, number one thing is we have really weeded out a lot of the, that problem systematically, which took a lot of effort and energy from How me. do you do that? Oh, by identifying the problems and not no, allowing them to back right, in, right. which, mind you, creates a lot of self-personal -pro problems for me. Right. Because then those bad problems are going to come and be like, yo, why are you, wh what, <laughs> right. what? Right. Now, now I had to deal with that, right. which I right. did. Right. I actually started a system because I was so well connected at one point across Canada because I was doing events in Canada, all Canada-wide. Sure. Yeah. And we were going on tours around the world with US. So I actually started connecting with all the promoters, real promoters that are like doing big concerts and shows. And I started this movement where I said, if we recognize a problematic person where we see a, a, a pattern of them going to every event and creating issues and creating fights, we have to collectively ban them because we know if that person comes to my show, to your show, to another show, mm -hmm. then they're ruining the name, the reputation, mm -hmm. and people don't want to go associate mm -hmm. themselves. Mm -hmm. Listen, you're, you're paying 50 bucks. You want to go course. with your friend. Just enjoy yourself. Last thing you want is frigging wall coming down. And so like, fights, what, what else? What else happens? So fights and the other thing that is there is our culture as a whole does not appreciate art mm. and artists. Yeah. 
And this is universal to every artist in our community. It starts with painting, dancing, performers. Yeah. Like we, we are so nonchalant about it that we just download stuff for free. We go to concerts and we try to sneak our friends in. Here, okay, here. The yeah, one yeah. opportunity you have to support the artist that you want, that is putting their time, effort, energy, and life to make you happy. The last thing you can do for them is to buy a ticket for yes, the concert, not yes. to try to sneak in, bro. Like, yes. that's not cool. And the thing is that really- and would, and I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Would the people who are not expecting to pay to, for the concert or downloading the music for free or, uh, you know, not valuing the art on the wall or whatever, would they expect the engineer to work for zero? Would they expect the doctor to do the surgery without getting paid, right? No. Nope. No. Nope. It, and, and that's and where it hurts. It is in our DNA, unfortunately. Well, I mean, it's not actually in our DNA. It it's is in our cultural yeah. DNA yeah. because that, I mean, again, we joke about the engineer and doctor thing, but that's where it starts. And I've, I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it again because I keep needing to remind all of us, including myself, about this. When someone like Farid Zoland, who's written so many uh, hit songs that if he were non Iranian, if he was a, an American, a Canadian like a golden, guy, golden he'd be a billionaire, yeah, first yeah, of all. Yeah. He'd be a billionaire. Yeah, and he would have, you know, uh, this guy's living in a, in a modest home in California trying yeah. to make ends meet. Yeah. When when a parent looks at that and a kid says, I want to be a songwriter, and they go, the best songwriter ever <laughs> doesn't have any money, Yes, you indeed. go be an engineer. I mean, it, it just pe perpetuates itself, right? It's literally which one came the first, the egg or the chicken. Right. That's our problem right now. Right. It's become this cycle of our culture not recognizing artists as true professionals. So how does that play out at the club, at the, at the, at the event? Okay, let me put it very simple for you. The tickets are $40. Right now, every ticket is $40 minimum. Every ticket for any Canadian show, Halloween, you want to go 40, 50 bucks. 40 bucks for us. Every phone call that comes in, hey, is there dinner included in the ticket? <laughs> is cello kebab included? I'm like, guys, come on. Like, right. it's, it's just <laughs> 40 bucks. You want to get a friggin' massage and a, and right, a food right. and, you know, a bottle right. of vodka with it? What do you expect? Like, $40. Right. right. The thing is, Jian, I'm telling you the truth, 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 truth. I have people, I kid you not, I have people, not one, not two, not three, come with Lamborghinis. Yeah. Okay. Pay 40 bucks for your parking downtown. Walk to the club in the cold of the winter. They don't get in calling my phone to go bring them in because the cover charges. $30 per person. And this is not happening once, not two times, not three times. This happens like 15% of our customers are in that exact profile where they're showing money from head to toe. You know, you know how we are. You know, everything like Gucci, oh, yeah. Louis Vuitton, oh, yeah, you know, absolutely, like, yeah. okay, so there are three scenarios. A, everything you're wearing is fake and you don't have the money. B, you have the money and you're being stingy with it, which then in that sense, I'm thinking, why should I even provide service to you? Right. Because you're not seeing And by the way, you're the being stingy with it with the Iranian. Yes. You would oh you wouldn't do the same thing oh with a God. with a with a white person, right? It's with the Iranian, hey man, you know, we just have the the band come and play for free. They're gonna play for free. For free? Well, they're Bobo, they're gonna be on Young Street. There's promotion. I'm like, this is their Seriously. job, you Seriously. know? Yeah. 
I'm going to tell you something about others and Iranians, which is 100% true. I have friends of mine. You know Sasi, the singer? Sure. So he's, he's one of the biggest, okay? Yes. And I did his, his first concert outside of Iran. I, I, and this was at the time that Cabana downtown. Cabana, you know, it's like a beach club yeah, kind of yeah. thing uh, for people who don't who are not familiar with Toronto or even that venue. It's a really nice high-end place. And then every bo- every if you want to get VIP service, bottle service is minimum fifteen hundred dollars. They give you two bottles with four tickets, so you could bring four people with you, two bottles, fifteen hundred dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we brought Sassi, and by the way, they don't give you anything else. Mm-hmm. That's all you're getting. And there's a DJ playing the music. Right, right. We brought Sassi for the first time. Okay, I had a friend of mine. Up until this moment, they've been going to Cabana on the stories because they're putting the stories. Right. You know how it is nowadays. Yeah, Everything yeah. is on the story, and yeah. you know, I it's my job, so yeah. I just follow the, the the trace of who are people who are VIPs to make yeah, sure where yeah, they are. Yeah. So on the stories, four weeks in a row at Cabana. Okay. Our bottle service package was this for everybody because I just told you what the other guys, the Canadians, were charging. We were giving nine tickets with two bottles for $750. Half the price, and you bring nine people with you. Mm -hmm. Okay? Buddy has the courage and the stomach to call me on the day off. Bro, do we have uh, (laughs) any bottle service? I was like, yeah, we do. And then he's like, yeah, could you put one for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. He's like, I'm like, uh, yeah, what do you want? He's like, we are 12 people. We want to get uh, your package, whichever is it. And then I'm like, yeah, it's $750. With you, you need three extra tickets. It's going to be this. He goes like, bro, <laughs> what do you think? Man, Ruganjnish is, Sam. Are you kidding me? Oh, my Jesus Christ. I've been watching. And that's like a slap in the face. Right. You know what I mean? It, but, okay, so hang on a second. Is that also... Um, spawned from disrespect for the arts and culture and all of that and not yes. valuing? Or is that something else that's also no. endemic in our culture? That, no, it's because uh, they don't value, they value the the club that they go to as a Canadian as a business. They see Aras as a friend, uh-huh, not as a business. Uh-huh. They're like, oh, Aras, I know him. But never mind that, they don't care. But when did that start? I mean, I, Forever. I, I'm not asking you to be a historian, but when, when, when did it start that we we should screw the Iranian guy because he's our friend uh, and and you know pay to the the person who isn't from our doesn't have the same doesn't share the same ancestry can i say something on that because i, I okay here's the thing the show's and, called and f- rook say whatever you want but thank you yeah and that's why i love your show by the way um one of the things that a lot of people don't know about me is despite the fact that i am known to be a dj i am actually a huge geek and a nerd so on my times that i'm not djing I'm not listening to no music. It's only podcasts. It's educational content. A lot of the things that I say, first of all, here's the thing. I've learned to say this a long time ago. If I don't know something, I actually refuse to talk about it because I have nothing to interject to actually add to the conversation. Mm -hmm. So I'm not in the, which is a huge difference from our community because our community has all been about hustlers, go-getters, which kind of produces this result of everybody claiming to know everything, which is a problem. Right. We, then the problem in our community is, and Gian, the reason I said I'm a geek is because I study everything actually by history. Uh, I study finance. I study and 
closely monitor world politics. So uh, my followers know I, I was putting more political stuff than entertainment at one point. And people were like, dude, like, what about events? I was like, I don't give just be a DJ. Right. Yeah. yeah but I'm like, I don't care. I am right. at the end of the day at us. And if you guys don't like it, you know, that's all right. I can't imagine you from what I've got to know of you and from even you sitting in front of me here now, um, doing ever being uh, ever ever living a kind of linear traditional 100%. nine to five yeah. I mean you even started a, a, a podcast and you called it Motafavet, mm -hmm. which means uh, different Very you know different. and you embody that to me you are um, you ache for being different you 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 it is in who you are first of all give us a bit of background um, you left Iran when you were 14 years old. Before that time, when you were in Iran, I guess you were born in the mid-80s, uh, right? Yeah, 86. Yeah, 86. Yes. So um, were you always like this? Were you? Always. Were, so, I mean, the the, the character, the oh, yes. the Aras, who's the, the character was that people would have known this is this is where you're going to end to, up, you know? In terms to my family, uh, this was all normal. <laughs> like in back home, they were like, oh yeah, of course he's going to go become a celebrity. So I was then why doing, were they so surprised when you wanted to be a DJ? Because of the same thing that's so cultural. To our culture, you could be a musician, but as a hobby. You could be an amazing musician. Like the funny thing is this, the, the, just to answer to your question, mm. whenever I would go around and I would introduce myself to Iranian people, what do you do for a living? I'll be like, I'm a DJ. They'll be like, so what do you actually do? <laughs> right. Right, do you right. see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like to them, okay, yeah. DJ you could do on the weekends, but what are you actually right, doing right. for a living? It's it's not uh, even an structural option. engineer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which the yeah. funny thing is, some of them are. Like we have a DJ in Toronto, uh, he, a dentist. We have another DJ. But you do doctor. seem like a guy who, um, I said, I use the word industrious. You seem like someone who's always been able to do something. Um, create something if you need to. I mean, the story, yeah. it's almost like a mythical story, but the story of you becoming a DJ yeah. is that you are running an event yeah. and the DJ that you've hired doesn't show up for the job, yeah. right? And you have no DJ experience, <sighs> but you step in and Just become the DJ, in. right? Just step in. I think that comes How from, old were you when you did that? That was uh, 17. 17. A year after the start of uh, basement parties. And what was the nature of the event? It was like a... It was like a, literally a basement party. Okay. <laughs> and you you get behind the turntables or you started being a DJ and you realize this is your, you know, I'm good I, at this or... I was like, listen, it's not going to get worse than this because we don't have a DJ. So I got to do what I got to do. But the thing is, I'm a very observant person. So I've been watching the DJs do what they do. So obviously I couldn't beat match yet. I couldn't mix the songs well, but I knew the songs that people responded to. Uh -huh. So I was just like playing them one by one and they still went. The energy that they gave me all of a sudden was like, it was like, and I was like, whoa, you felt that it. felt good. Yeah. That's what I want more of. I want to make people scream of joy. So was going to York University uh, and doing law and society, was that to appease your parents or was that something you also were interested in? I think the whole idea, yes, it is. It is. It was to appease. I was good at law. I was very good at law. Actually, I had good prospects for it. Uh, the faculty of, at Osgood were actually starting to know me too because I was just walking around. I was like very active in student life. I was the president of Iranian Student Association. And that's how I actually, by the way, got from English to Iranian. 
Ah. That's what kind of you were also a member of the York Federation of Students, right? Yes. You were elected to the York Federation of Students. Yes. Wow. You, Not you, a lot of people knew that. Do you know? Yeah. Well, I do, you guys do, do you know uh-huh. who uh came up with the uh the name, the York Federation of Students? Mm, who created no. it? I actually had no idea. Don't tell me it was you. It was me. <gasps> oh it was me. You're kidding. It was me in the 1990s. It was a. Oh it was the Council God. of the York Student Federation. I became president. I was elected president. And one of the things that I wow. said was, we, we have to democratize this. I was, you know, I thought I was, uh, I don't know, Che Guevara or yeah. something. But I was like, we, so we, it, we couldn't, we should not call it the Council of the York Student Federation. Oh, so wow. uh, we called it the York Federation of Students. Federation uh, des Etudiants, the, the, the bilingual name for it. Yes. And uh, yeah, that was where it started. Wow, that was a golden nugget you just gave me. There you go. Good to know. Yeah. Also, you're an alumni too. I am an alumni. Oh <laughs> York my alumni. God. I'm a, you know, I'm a, a president alumni from that from that student wow, union. Wow, president alumni. That's so. so um, but and by by the way, in the '90s, we didn't have much of a uh, Iranian student association. I yes, know of course. We, I it, it was in I its inf- infancy. There yes. was a few people there. Of course, but, of course. Um, so you're you're there. You're at York. You're involved. You're studying law. Yeah. Um, and there's the moment where you uh, obviously make the choice, uh, the lifestyle choice, and uh, against your parents' wishes. Yeah. And and you go into this business. Correct. And. Um, it actually didn't start with that because I couldn't tell them I'm leaving university to become a DJ. <laughs> I opened what every Persian parent wants to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I know you. I know I'm studying law, and you guys know that I'm really smart. I'm just leaving. By the way, that's exactly what I did. I got the possibility of a scholarship to do graduate work. Uh, I mean, oh, I did my God. degrees, but then I I, I left to York. I, I mean, I, d- I didn't take the the scholarship opportunity, and I became a. I played in a band. Oh my yeah, god. That's what you know, so what? the nightmare. The parent the parent. The literal nightmare. true nightmare yeah. by <laughs> definition. So you 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 know you you've you've lived that. I have poli sci uh Ooh. history grad. Oh, and wow. I go, there uh, you go like any there self respecting poli sci student, <laughs> I start playing in a rock band. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's true. It's uh, it's so interesting that you've experienced the same uh, path, at least for part. But what I had to do was get a little bit more creative because now I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I have my entrepreneur skills. <laughs> so my parents are literally not going to buy this idea of me going becoming a DJ. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do my DJing, but I have to create another business idea where I could actually present that as the reason that I'm actually trying to pursue so i created this company called push it marketing and in that because that was at the beginning of the times of facebook was getting very hot and picking Mm -hmm. was picking up around 2000 i think 12 13 it was picking up so facebook advertisement was becoming a new thing and because we did our events we really mastered facebook targeting and advertising back then the algorithm was so much easier by the way now it just takes a phd to figure its algorithm but um so I, I started doing that very good. And because I was doing it so good, people were coming to me and they're like, can you run our ad campaigns for us? Like are my, I have like 200 real estate, real estate friends, obviously. And uh, they were like, can you help us with our ads? So I would, and then I would get paid for it. So I was like, why don't I just like create a marketing company and work on that? Anyways, it's not a bad idea as a plan B. And then uh, it's, it's also gonna keep my parents happy. So I came out with a completely crazy idea. Mm. 
I was in, listen, like this is me. I, I, I just can't do something small. Like if you're gonna do something in my world, you gotta go like to the peak of it and touch the Mount Everest. And at that moment, you get to de decide, you wanna continue staying or you wanna take a different path. So <laughs> I wanna create a marketing uh, company. I go to the, one of these washrooms of these restaurants, Jack Astor's, I never forget. I go to the washroom, I'm just like going to the urinal, I stand there, I look in front of me, you know these like advertising frames that are in the wall? Yeah, yeah. So I saw it and there was an ad and I looked at it and I was just like, uh, hold on a second, that's a good idea. Why don't I do that? But because I know the entire Persian community, I'm gonna do that in all Persian restaurants because none of them had it. And back then they were putting these ugly, like big posters on the wall, on the doors where right, you would right. enter for like events and like for like a specials. I'm like, this, this is, is the entrepreneurial side. You're an ideas guy. Yeah. I was like, literally. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And then now the biggest company in Canada, Zoom, they owned uh, these everywhere. So I had no idea how to do this. So I started snooping on Zoom, going on their website. And anyways, long story short is I spent $5,000 of my hard earned money, which my entire savings by that point was probably about like 7,000. <laughs> so I spent $5,000 hiring an engineer, ordering the AutoCAD blueprint, uh, bribing him half with my events and then paying him half and then paying for the molding and making of these. And I made all of these, I made about 400 of them uh, of which 390 are still sitting in my dad's garage. So. <laughs> That should tell That's you how, how that I thought idea. the story was going to end. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say 390 now grace the walls of the most expensive restaurants in Canada. <laughs> now you know how that went. <laughs> uh, but listen, here's the thing. You've had your you've had your ups and downs. Oh. Like any entrepreneur, you learn, but you persevere. I was just counting the other day. I opened eight companies of which seven failed. Hmm. And only one worked. So let me ask you something. This 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 character let's get back to the character of sure. badass bliss sure the ecstasy you know, <laughs> we've gone through you you're clearly a thoughtful person M one might say a methodical person you're not i mean there are artists who can't help themselves in terms of their you know just visceral need to be a wild creative person uh, you seem like a thoughtful somebody who has thought things out so what is the, the the wild outfits the big hair the big glasses the big character um what what is what is it about do you think actually thank you because that's exactly what i wanted to tell you and you just jian i can i just say something on the record you you know this probably you know you're one of the finest people in what you do. And you. I am experiencing this <laughs> as got, to why you are the who you the are. The mind meld is happening. Oh my God. You are so what just good happened? at what you what did I? What did I get? Tell me. Because your, your level of engagement, your level of attention, your level of research, and your level of actually memorizing the details. Uh -huh. It shows your professionalism and the art that is actually not picked up, but it is gained and it is within you and it is so commendable. I, I, I've been kind. a huge admirer of you. what you do. Um, but to answer what you were saying, uh, it's because you almost had like the, the celebrity, uh, but um, the way it works is that I try to see the big picture go everywhere and then bring everything back together in the end. And this is a moment that a few things come together and tie together. 
a lot of people ask me, what can we do? Because a lot of DJs message me, a lot of artists message me, and they're like, how did you brand you? How did you make you who you are? Because, you know, I worked with the finest organizations on the planet for the Iranian entertainment. And in the peak of my own work, flying around with the best celebrities, the highest ones from in, outside of Iran, inside of Iran. So to the outside world, this is an ideal goal of where you want to be. And I even realized that later on, I didn't know about that as more people were coming. And then one of them finally came and said, listen, I look up to you. Can you give me some nuggets? And then I started looking inwards because I didn't know what to tell people because to me, it's all natural. I don't think about it. You know, the way you think, mm. how can you explain it to somebody? It's different. It's difficult. Is is being the character, um, is being a showman a necessary part of being a successful DJ? I mean, in other words, how? by the way, you are, not to return the, now that you've said some nice things that are the, the compliment, but you're great at what you do. You're a great DJ. I've been, I've been at your events. I, is that not enough, being a great DJ? It's like being the, the guitarist who just dresses in the lumberjack shirt instead of the glittery one. Do you have to be a showman? Uh, do you tell other DJs that they need to be a brand to really- 100%. Kind of, and to be a brand, it's not to fake something. Right. It's to be yourself. That's what you need to be. Uh, the big thing is I tell all my DJs, and I'm going to come back to the question of why why am I the way I am. Okay. But uh, I tell a lot of DJs and entertainers, because a lot of our community want to sing and want to DJ, and especially now it's becoming more accessible with how affordable it is, because you just spend $1,000, now you're a DJ. Uh, before, it used to be like you need to spend $10,000 when I started. Um, not to mention forgive me but it looks easier now because it is is it easier because it I mean, is easier. it, it kind of looks easier you got your computer you got a couple of i, I mean could, back in the day it was literally learning how to pace out turntables 100 yeah, okay. but let's put it this way in half an hour i could tell you how to dj especially with house music which is what every iranian right now loves all the kids you could learn in half an hour how to dj okay it's really that easy because the computers have taken autopilot to the next level for you now mm with all the advancements in programs on the computer. So the thing is, it is the connection. It is the human connection, which only comes from your personality. So the reason that I get the reactions that I get is because when I do what I do, it's not just go in there and, you know, hide and just, okay, like I'm gonna play this. It's because I play f full out. By, by the way, how are you not gonna continue doing this? You're so passionate about it. Look at you. You, you, I mean, you really, you dig this. This is your thing. I dig human connection. That's what I dig. And that's what I realized. And that's what got me to my depression. That's what my realization was when I became a new human. I always thought that my purpose in life was to make other humans happy. And that's why I was pushing so you hard. You don't believe that is anymore? No. Your 500 million plan is gone? No. That's 500 million lives actually that I want to touch. Let me, this is how I want it to end. This is a beautiful idea. I don't know what the fuck it means. You gotta tell me about it. You said you, you're on a mission to positively affect the lives of 500 million people around the world. Correct. I'm gonna be traveling. I'm basically in the process of selling my house right now. I'm selling everything I own. No, no more anchorages to any place. Everything everything wow i am actually going to be traveling the world for two to three years two months one month in different cities and what i'm trying to do is to actually get to experience what it means to live within different dimensions within different uh, paradigms and 
at the end of it, because my goal is by 2050 to influence 500 million lives to positive in, in a positive way to live a better life. One part of it is that self-empowerment and allowing them the, op the opportunity to live the dream of the life of their own dreams. That's one of my major goals, which I, by the way, it's already unraveling. And number two is I am a huge, huge, and this is the first time, by the way, I'm talking about this uh, ever in public, but um, I'm glad I'm doing it here. Uh, I am a huge... Circumcision? Yes. How did you know? I know. <gasps> now you're freaking me out. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, so I'm a huge th against this, like... Mm, so it is so you do not believe in circumcision oh no not only that i don't believe i believe it's still one of the most heinous things that humanity is doing to itself and unfortunately we're doing it under the green card of morality that is given to us by an institution that says it's okay to do that just because they want to justify other things that they are trying to put upon us so the institution being religion Yes, 100%. And the sad part of it is United States is one of the only countries in the world, is actually the only country in the world statistically where they're not religious, they're not Muslim, because it's only Muslims and uh, Jewish people that do that. United States population is not Muslim or Jewish as a majority, but they actually have the highest rate of circumcision mm -hmm. to the point that it is now standard procedure if you have a child that is a boy in United States mm -hmm. that is born, unless you tell them otherwise, they take that child to circumcise it. In a country such as United States, where liberty and freedom, they are the torchbearers of freedom of humanity and human rights, that is one of the most fundamentally wrong things mm -hmm. that can be happening in 2021 when we're trying to go to the moon okay, let me uh, to, uh, i don't mean to take, I, I take away you. from that so I love Do what just it, just yeah, yeah. Uh, just before so you you were you were talking about taking a trip um for three or two or three years correct so are you going to is your plan to because to be honest I, I there's part of me that just loves this idea uh, i've always kind of wished I was a uh, there was a there was a famous Canadian artist named Jane Sibbery people who are old enough to remember like the hits of the 1980s and stuff will remember her she was kind of an artsy uh, singer-songwriter won some Juno Awards whatever and uh, and about 15 years ago she said my name is now Issa and I've sold everything I, I don't own anything except for a bag and my favorite pair of shoes mm-hmm and um, and everybody said, "What a weirdo!" Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, and I remember interviewing her about that and thinking that kind of a weirdo, but uh, this really appeals to me. Mm -hmm. This is because it's stripping everything away and saying, "Who am I? Who do I want to be? Yeah. I don't want to depend on all of those things, including societally imposed status requirements and all of that." And I'm going to live my life and go where I want to. So, is your plan? You said you're going to sell everything. So, you're going to take a lump sum of sum of money and sort of uh, use that over the three years, or do you plan on going to different places and working and being a DJ somewhere in you know uh, Africa for one week and then going somewhere else and doing a job and 
so the plan if 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 the question is to finance and by the way yes i love that idea i want, I want to know how, how you finance it. financially yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm i'm actually investing in crypto and online trading so I've, i'm going to be working on my laptop anywhere in the world making what i need and way more than what i need so what i make in crypto now in three days is what i used to make in one month of work as a dj really yeah is that guaranteed here's the thing in the world of trading 95 percent of traders lose all they have within a year so you have to be within the five percent okay to actually be able to do it but once you're in the five percent you have access to an unlimited amount of wealth i am a part of the five percent not yet but i am do you see what i'm saying i am i so it's been consistent I, I, i'm so when when does this trip begin january wow right after my birthday my birthday is the last get together i'm calling it uh, the last supper i'm doing okay. a last supper for with all my family am and i invited absolutely you are and, uh how much is the bottle service do not worry about that it's on the house <laughs> now, listen i am never ever going to one of your events and not paying i am never asking you for a ticket Gian, ever after this conversation no, 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 no. I, you're absolutely to... right we should all pay i i, I no i i, I love you i love you i think that is absolutely fair and you're absolutely right and and uh, i'll be happy to buy a ticket i love you your, brother for your i love uh, you thank birthday. you thank you thank you for taking the time it's been such a pleasure it. to have you here in person likewise likewise we'll do it again i hope before too long and i hope before i go i could have you on what if of it but uh, I that's, will, I'm leaving the options for the universe to maybe work it out. But. I, would, uh, <laughs> I will definitely say there's not a chance. I'm I know. Your, uh, and the Farsi show. Farsi show. I don't know how confident <laughs> you are working with Farsi. I love your Lache Farsi. Uh, uh, Yo, it's so the 10-year-old. It's so OG. OG. You know, like, that's because I learned it from my father who left Iran in 1960. OG accent, bro. Uh, it's proper. But thank you, honestly, for having me. You have a fantastic team here. Uh, the, the energy in your office is beautiful. Thank you. And uh, before we go, and if I may, one last thing I want to say yes. is you get to keep any belief that you fight for. And that's so, so fundamental. I want you to go think about it. That one sentence that you get to keep any belief that you fight for. And... I hope that this interview helps one person maybe with something in their life. That's all I want. Arashun, thank you. Thank you, Gia. I'm literally honored. Performer, promoter, DJ, Aras. Uh, he's about to embark on a new global journey and we are lucky to have him here in the Rook studio. DJ Ras has uh, left the studio. Kian's come back in. Reza, Shia, microphone's back on. Yes, all back on. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Shia. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the confirmation. I have to say, I've seen DJ Aras on on stage DJing, you know, being a showmanship countless times. And mm -hmm. I I guess I never knew his human side. I, I just mm. saw his stage side. I really love the fact of how rook he was about the Iranian community. Really like, was, everything yeah. we all agree, like... 
you know, like guys showing up in their Lamborghinis and saying, oh, Arastrun, let me in for free. Like yeah, that yeah. pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really, like I enjoyed the fact that he was so honest about that. He spoke some truths. That. He did. Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> and you know why he spoke, uh, spokes? he spoke, spoke. <laughs> why, you know, wha- you know why he spoke? Why did he? His truth and mm-hmm. he was very honest. Why because his Shirazi baby why? represent another one so Shia what do you think (laughs) (laughs) I I really appreciated his honesty as well and he clearly is uh, you know we have a lot of different voices that come on this show uh, and different professions and different backgrounds and and um, I think it was really good to hear his voice to hear him talk about the business that Mm. a lot of Iranians Mm -hmm. uh, partake in you know going to clubs or big events Mm -hmm. or things like that and he kind of was shedding a, a, a light on the 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 other side of that and then yeah. the behind closed doors side of that and and uh i really appreciate that as much as we like to have uh doctors and fabulous musicians and whatever on the show to have somebody who has been a promoter that mm-hmm. has actually affected a lot of lives but has had to deal with all the <laughs> nonsense Bullshit. he's had to deal with and also who's clearly still trying to um figure out where he what he wants to do i mean selling your stuff and and leaving yeah, it's a that's a, yeah. a big change in his life and maybe he was feeling he could be this uh, honest in this interview because he's decided to step away from the uh, right. the DJing so um, thanks to DJ Ras again for coming in and a big thank you to Katy Kavendi Immigration Services for making this uh, helping to make this edition of Rook possible this is a full service immigration firm that offers all inland and overseas immigration services including temporary visas permanent visas PR extensions and citizenship applications Katy and her team are available to inform and assist you as their client throughout the whole immigration process. If you want to come to Canada or you're here and you need support, you need an immigration counselor, Katy is your person. Katy Kavandi Immigration Services, Instagram page, immigration. All right. Well, thank you very much, uh, the fabulous Keon. What's, what's on tap for UPG this week? Do you'll, we know? You'll just have to stay tuned. All right. But do you want me to tell you? What is it? What's the uh, what's the, the topic for Unmarried Persian Girls? Do we always have to dress so fancy? You know, in the Ronnie community. I'm sure you went to the Fire Mars concert. I don't know. How, how did you dress? No, I was actually dressed down. I saw pictures. What? <laughs> you saw pictures no, but, of me? Yeah. But you've, oh. see, you've yeah. seen it. Like I you, haven't seen you pictures get, of me. <laughs> you get invited to a Persian barbecue. You're like, oh, you know, shorts and yes. a shirt. And people the Persians show dress up. up. Decked out, hair done, makeup done, like gowns, like it's a yeah, whole ordeal. Yeah, coming from a person who in London was trying to carry my <laughs> tripod in a high heel and a top hat. Like. I'm assuming either. Tara, I didn't I'm, say which side I'm assuming Shiri Nasser is going to disagree with you because <laughs> yeah, exactly. you'll probably be, you, you, you'll be supporting the. Okay, so that's the, coming up on yeah, uh, Mary right, Persian Girls. Right. Uh, UPG dot official. What's your handle? UPG.official. Official on Instagram or on Mary Persian Girls exactly. on uh, YouTube and podcasts. All right. The fabulous Keon, Groovy Shia, the Captain Reza. Thank you very much. This is full time for Rook for today. To check out all things related to Rook, to get in touch with us, leave us a message to see our Rook Funnies video and all the episodes and guests we've had on our programs, including the contemporary history of Iran, rookmedia.com is where to find us, rookmedia.com. 
thanks to the amazing team who put this show together super patty saw savvy rohan producer susan sponsor the artist the fabulous keon talented anahita ahai merdad captain reza and groovy shaya thank you to all of you out there for supporting us and sharing our content please subscribe if you've not done so already on any or all of our platforms and you can find me uh oh where can you find me i guess i'm gonna be on facebook in the meantime Mizunbashi. Mizunbashi.